Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Well, today I want to continue to speak to you about hope in the dark. And how really God is our hope in all things, no matter what it is that we are facing. There's a word that's being used a lot. It's the word unprecedented. These are unprecedented times. We're hearing pastors use that word. We're hearing the health department, the CDC, even our president and politicians. It's unprecedented. People are sheltering in place. One person sent me an email and said, I'm working from home and I hate it. I'm not used to doing this. Others are saying, I'm working from home. That's how I always work. No big problem. One mom sent me an email and said, please pray for me. My kids are on my last nerve. What will I do when that nerve breaks? And some people are saying, wow, I didn't even know I was an essential person. I work in a grocery store. You know what? You are essential. People that are cooking food and taking care of others, driving delivery trucks, making bold and compassionate decisions, thank you for checking on your neighbors. And yeah, we were checking on you. Hopefully you received a phone call from one of our care team members. Now, if you did not receive a phone call, that simply means we don't have your current or accurate phone number. So if you email the office, office at lompocfoursquare.com, Or as Tyler said earlier, fill out a connect card online. Give us your phone number. We won't share it with anyone else. We want to call you and make sure you're doing okay. Make sure that you're encouraged and make sure if you have any needs, we're able to meet those needs for you. The last couple of weeks, we've been singing a song around here that he's the way maker. And boy, those words have been stuck in my head. Way maker. Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. That is who you are. And I began to think about who he is and then ask this question. Who is God? Well, God has many names in the Bible. And the first name in the Bible that describes God, and you could write this down if you're a note taker, if you got your notes off of mylefc.com on our resource page, the first name that the Bible uses to describe God is Elohim. That's a Hebrew word for us to look at. And really, the word simply means the God or the living God. It's found in the very first sentence of the Bible, Genesis 1.1. It says, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. That name Elohim appears 2,500 times in the Old Testament. And the first thing we learn about Elohim, or our living God, is that he's a creator. He spoke the universe into existence. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Now, when I was in uh, Bible college, we had an introduction to Hebrew. Now, I did really well in that class, because many of you know I was raised in the Jewish faith. I, I studied hard for my bar mitzvah, and I learned the uh, you know, my, my alphabet. Aleph, bet, vet, gimel, dalet, hey, vav, zayin, het, tet, yud, kaf, haf, etc. And our first assignment was Hebrew 101 to recite the alphabet. I didn't even have to study. I got an A+. I had all the guttural enunciations of every letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And one of the things that our teacher taught us was, in the beginning, 
God or Elohim created. And that word created could be defined three different ways, except right here it's defined only one way. There's bara, there's asa, and this word here created ex nihilo. Ex nihilo. And our professor stood up and he said, I want you to know God created ex nihilo. And he made us all say ex nihilo. Hey, why don't you say it where you are right now? Ex nihilo. Ex nihilo. Good job. Yeah, you'll pass your Hebrew 101 test. Ex nihilo. Well, what does it mean to create something from nothing? I know sometimes people will say, well, I made those cookies from scratch, or I made that bread, that loaf of bread from scratch. No, you didn't. You got baking powder, or you have yeast, you have flour, or cookies, you have chocolate chips, they're so great. But listen, you created that from something, more like asa or bara. But ex nihilo would be to be able to say, let there be bread, and all of a sudden a loaf of bread appears in front of you. Or let there be cookies, and all of a sudden cookies just magically appear right out of the oven and fly out of the rack on the oven. That would be what God did. He spoke something to, into existence that didn't already exist. So here's what it says in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, tells us that God created time, beginning. Before that, there was no click of the clock or second hands on the watch. The heavens, he created space. The earth, he created matter. And he is Elohim, the God of all creation. And imagine in this season in our country or in your home or in your personal life for you to lean into the God Elohim, the God who was there before you were ever there, the God who was thinking about you before he even allowed you to be created, and the God who, well, one day he said, let there be light, and there was light. You see, the earth had no light on it, only darkness, and God spoke the word light And it became light. By the way, who did he speak? Yeah, not what, but who did he speak? He spoke Jesus, because Jesus is called the light of the world. He spoke Jesus, the word of God. And Jesus is called the word. John says in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's Jesus. So God's actually... This is kind of cool, speaking Jesus out of his mouth and light happens to be on the planet. But if you don't see that God as Elohim or as the God who's able to do all things, you could actually begin to be a person of anxiety. Last week, we defined anxiety this way, carrying concerns in this world in such a way that we lose perspective on life and lack trust in God. You see, God is Elohim. He's enormous. He's larger than anyone could measure or fathom or understand. You know, Disney is coming out with a remake of the movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Rick Moranis is the star, and he's coming out of retirement, I understand, reading about it yesterday online. And old Rick Moranis is this nerdy scientist who creates this machine that can actually shrink things. And one day, by mistake, he takes the machine and puts the rays onto his kids. And guess what? He and his wife have to look with magnifying glasses to find his kids. Honey, I shrunk the kids. Well, can I tell you that since the beginning of time, people have been trying to shrink God. 
This vast, incredible, amazing God who cannot be measured, Elohim, has sometimes been shrunken down to a figurine on the top of a fireplace mantle or some rocks in a garden or some beads that people hold and pray in their hand. And sometimes he's been reduced to the God of the building. You know, it's uh, been said by many, the church has left the building as we can't meet together. But God has not left you. He's still with you and for you, and he's by your side. So no matter how big the storms of life get, don't you allow your life to shrink God down. Honey, I shrunk God. See, this is the lesson. Don't allow the growing storms of life to reduce the size of our God. Why? Because Elohim is shrink-resistant. He's shrink-proof. He's bigger than just a church building, though we worship him here. He's bigger than just your family gathering together, though he's with you. He's able to touch your soul. He's able to be your God, your light in the darkness. That is who he is, the way maker. Psalm 102 verse 12 says, but you, Lord, will abide forever. Your renown endures all generations. You always have been God and you always will be. You know, one time Jesus gets into the boat with his disciples and he's had a long day of ministry. He's going to change his place where he is. And he's going to change his pace, the pace of life. I want to encourage you maybe just to write this down. There's three Ps. It's not in your notes. But when you change your place, something happens. Uh, My wife and, and daughter and I took a walk yesterday around our neighborhood, and we decided to go down a different street that we haven't walked before. And it was just a change of our, of our place. I felt rejuvenated by being somewhere else. Now, we were practicing social distance from all our neighbors, and we were receiving some great vitamin D from the sun. I was greatly encouraged. And of course, then the wind came up. I was still greatly encouraged. It was the wind. It reminded me that God even made the wind, Elohim. But we changed our place and we changed our pace. That's what Jesus is doing in the boat. He's taking a nap. He's changing his pace. And the third P is perspective. See, when you change your place and your pace, it gives you perspective. I saw some people sitting out in front of their front yard yesterday. I saw a few guys riding their bikes. I called to one of them and he said, yeah, I haven't ridden this bike in years, but he was riding his bike. He was getting rejuvenated. He was getting exercise. So let me just encourage you, change your place. If you've been sitting in that easy chair watching Netflix or watching reruns of old sporting events, change your place, change your pace, and change your perspective, because it will. And Jesus is changing his place, his pace. He's asleep, and suddenly a fierce storm comes up. You're well aware of it. And the wind began to howl, and the waves began to crash against the boat. And the disciples say, God, we're going to die. We're going to drown. Don't you even care? I know a young lady who planned a wedding for a year, a spring wedding. That's all being changed now because of social distancing, and rightfully so. I know somebody else who said, hey, I'm having withdrawals. I I can't watch baseball right now. I had another young person tell me, I'm a baseball player and can't play. And what about graduation? And what about colleges looking at me for scholarships? And 
What about my 401k or my 403b? And what about the fact that they told me don't come back to work and I lost my job? Or one person said, I've spent over 10 years building my business and now it seems like it's crumbling before my eyes. That's a storm. And God understands those storms. Mark 4, verse 40, it says, Then they asked him, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus says, Why, why are you afraid? He knew about their fear. And he knows about your fear too. And Jesus gets up from a deep sleep. I can see him stretching in the boat. The disciples are clinging to the edge of the boat for life. And Jesus is now coming to a place where he's going to create by the word, by the spoken word, by the ex nihilo, a force field that doesn't currently exist. He's going to push back the storm. And he says, peace, peace be still. And, and whoosh, in an instant, the sea is like glass and it's calm. And do you remember the disciples' response? We see it in verse 41 of Mark 4. The disciples were absolutely terrified. See, of the storm, they were afraid. But of Jesus and what he just performed, the miracle he performed in their midst, he's terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Well, we know who he is. He's God in the flesh. He's Elohim, the mighty God who spoke those disciples into existence and was able to say peace to the storm in their life. I love what Brennan Manning says. He says, the trust is to be absolutely convinced of the reliability of God, where we trust him, that he's a reliable God. That is who he is. And if you allow his peace to come to you, it will come. The second thing I want you to see today is that the first name that God uses to describe himself is the word I am, or the phrase I am. In Exodus chapter 3, you can open your Bibles if you, you have one there, Exodus chapter 3, we're going to read a little story about Moses. And as I do, I, I, I notice this little cross that's right here in my Bible. When I had the privilege of speaking many years ago on the island of Oahu to New Hope Christian Fellowship, about 12,000 people in five services, this little lady came up to me. She was Japanese. And she said, Pastor, I give you this. I said, well, what is it? It's real simple. Little plastic with holes in it, and she took the the the, the blue little uh, threads here and wove it through there. And here's what she said: Put this in your Bible. If you ever face a storm, remember that Jesus Christ is with you. And this morning, as I got this Bible out, I thought, Wow, isn't that great? It's timeless. The message is timeless. That no matter what storm we face, Jesus Christ will be with us. It's that God who said, "I am." In Exodus chapter 3, in verse 2 and 3, there was an angel of the Lord that appeared to him, referring to Moses, in the flames of fire from within the bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Hey, Moses changed his, his, his place. He left where he was and his responsibility to the sheep. He moved over to see what God was up to. He changed his pace to be more observant to what God was up to. And this story reminds us he changed, God changed his perspective. 
Moses pauses and he comes to this place. And in verse 4 and 5, it says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer. And I always think of Moses saying, No problem, God. I'm not coming any closer. Take off your sandals for this place where you are standing is holy ground. Holy ground. It's interesting as you study the Old Testament, whenever something was deemed holy, people were told, don't touch it. We're going to wrap it in some fine linen or some cloth. We're going to put leather around it. We're going to put it into something like the ark. You're not going to touch it. But I find it fascinating that God says to Moses, take off your shoes. This is holy, holy ground. The ground is holy because I'm here. And you would think God would actually ask him to to, to put on some, some boots or something to stay away from the holiness of God. But God really wanted Moses, kind of like skin to skin, come and touch me, God. Come and touch me, Moses. And Moses opens up to the, to the God that he wants to touch, and, and God opens up to the Moses that he wants to touch, and Elohim comes and invades that moment, a holy moment. And then he said in Exodus 3, 6, 7, and 10, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God picks out the big three, Abraham, father of faith, Isaac, and Jacob, three generations of the experience of Elohim. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. Don't you think God doesn't see the misery of the people in America right now and literally around the world? He sees everyone who's going through a season of misery. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. God's concerned about your suffering. And so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, hey, who who am I? (laughs) Who am I that I should go? the Pharaoh, and bring out the Israelites. You ever said that to God? Who am I? Who am I to share the gospel with my neighbors and my friends? Who am I to check on a a neighbor that might be at risk or vulnerable? Who, Who am I to add any value in this season? And I want you to get over that doubt, over that insecurity, and recognize that the God that you know wants to use you. And I can't think of a time in our lifetime where the gospel has needed to be preached more than now. We've been through a lot in our country the last several hundred years, but I can tell you this, that God wants to use you just like he wants to use me, just like he used Moses to deliver the Israelites. Who am I, God? And then the answer is this, Exodus 3, 12. I will be with you. Catch that phrase. I will be with you. Whatever you're facing right now, God is, is with you, and God can use you. And then Moses responds with, well, well God, who, who am I? I'll be with you, God says. And then he says, in essence, well, who are you? <laughs> who are you? What if they don't believe me? What if they don't trust the one who sent me? This is the first time in recorded history that anyone asked God for his ID. I want to see proof of who you are. Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. 
This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am. I am. You know, 6,823 times in the Old Testament, we find this phrase that I am. I am who I say I am. (laughs) But I am translates into a verb in the English language. The verb is be or, or I be. I be. Lord, who are you? I I am. (laughs) What can you do? God, who's in control? I be. I'm in control. Who's running the planet? I am. God, who can give me the things I need for my soul? See, more than anything the CDC can say, and we're practicing all that they're telling us. That's why there's just a few people around here today to allow this service to come to you. But greater than all of that, is this fact that Elohim, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, wants to be your God and wants to give you a peace that passes all all understanding. Who could do it? I'd be be the one that could do it. I'm exhaustible. I'm immeasurable. I'm the Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. I am. What does that mean for you? What does it mean for me? Well, it means he's God and you're not. And I know you're really glad I'm not God. He's in control. He's bigger than anything, and don't you dare try to shrink him down. Jesus also described himself as I am. There's a scene in John chapter 8 where Jesus is in the midst of a contentious debate with some of the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees. They're always trying to trip him up, and one of the trip-ups was they wanted him to say that he's God. Because that would be blasphemy in their mind. But the truth of you and I know is that he was God. He he was I am. And Jesus described himself as I am. He said, hey, are you uh, greater than Abraham, the the big father of faith? In John 8, 58, he says, very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, what does it say? Ah, there it is. I am. I am. Hmm. Jesus, no doubt, was thinking back to the dialogue that Moses and God had together. He was thinking back to the declaration God made, that Elohim made, I am, I be. And Jesus said the same phrase, I am. That is who I am. Hear me, the great I am still is great. The great I am is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they're all on your side, and and want you to give your life over to them. Maybe you've known the Lord a long time and, and the recent days have kind of got you down. Well, can I just look right in the eyes and say to you this? Let God, the Elohim, let God, the one who is, let God, the one who will be forever and ever, lift your soul and lift your heart. And while we take care of washing our hands and social distancing, I want to make sure you're experiencing and participating in proper soul care. The soul of the Word of God penetrating your life. The soul of your life being touched by the Holy Spirit. Where you change your your place, your pace, and your perspective. And you come to the Lord and say, God, fill me with your peace. The storm, it's there. The water's coming on the boats. Yep, it's there. But the greatest thing is, no matter what is there, God is here. Elohim is with you. 
If you've not made Jesus Christ your Savior and your Lord, I want to just take a moment to invite you to give your life over to him. To say, here I am, Lord. (laughs) I need you, God. The Bible says if we believe in our heart and confess with our lips Jesus Christ as Lord, we shall be saved. Someone might say, well, if I get to a church building, I could raise my hand or come to the altar and do an altar call. But my God is so great. My God is so I am. He can save you right where you are watching this service right now. And the simple truth is if you believe in Jesus Christ that he died on a cross for your sins, for my sins, he rose again from the dead for your sins, for my sins, and he rose to give us power and to give us his presence, and then to send the Holy Spirit, the great encourager to us. There's not a greater time for you to give your life to Christ. There is no one like our God, Elohim, the God who says, I am, the God who says, I be, I I will be for you, whatever it is that you need. Well, let me just encourage you as we're getting ready to read what we've been reading now for the last 10 weeks. And I want you to read it wherever you are. Uh, If you're watching by yourself and there's people around you somewhere in the house, they're going to wonder, what on earth are you doing? But with your best voice, the loudest voice you have, fill your lungs and let's exhale our faith together. Here it is. We are building our lives on the promises of God. Because his word is unbreakable, our hope is unshakable. We do not stand on the problems of life or the pain in life. We stand on the great and precious promises of God. We stand on the great and precious promises of God. The God who is. Don't you dare shrink him down. He's a wonderful God and he is with you. Real quick, next week, next week, we're going to have Pastor Wayne Cordero live from Eugene, Oregon. We're going to pipe in the signal. The New Hope Christian College worship team is going to be there, and uh, we're going to push them out to you, and I'm going to be here as well to greet you. May God richly bless you. May he keep you. May his face be upon you, and may you recognize that he's Elohim all the time, and he's Elohim just for you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.